This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. The Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is the perfect start to set any holiday vibe. The Home Bar makes over 30 cocktails, brews, ciders, and more, all at the push of a button. From cosmopolitans to old fashions, each pod contains real ingredients and premium spirits. Insert the pod and let the Home Bar do the work. Go to drinkworks.com to order your Home Bar and see all available drinks. Drinkworks. Press play. Keurig is a registered trademark of Keurig Green Mountain, Inc., used under license. Please enjoy responsibly. At the Home Depot, we improve things. This holiday season, we've improved Black Friday. Instead of one day of crazy, we've lowered prices now, and they'll stay low all season. From decorations to dishwashers, wreaths to ratchet sets. So sleep in. You're not going to miss Black Friday. Not one little bit. Black Friday improved. The best prices of the year, already here at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only Wasp buys last. See store for details. You know what I want? <laughs> I want a top Hello, sweet world. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and you're listening to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. Today, I'm joined by fellow Canadian, the fantastic Taz Mellis of the Starters slash the Basketball Jones fame. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Samson. How are you, man? I'm, you know, I'm doing good. I guess we're all a little bit nervous about the Kawhi Leonard decision, which I don't want to date this podcast, so we won't get too, too into it. And so the first thing I want to talk about with you is I have sources that tell me you're a huge Bare Naked Ladies fan. Who <laughs> is the Stephen Page and Ed Robertson of this year's Raptors titles team? <laughs> well, uh, your sources are bang on. But I'm glad that you mentioned Stephen Page and, and Ed Robertson because I am a fan of the early iteration of the Bare Naked Ladies the older versions with Stephen Page. Uh, so of the Toronto Raptors, who who are the Stevie and the Eddie? Oof. Um, see, the Ed is, is sort of the, the steady uh, the steady guy to keep you afloat while Stephen Page is uh, is willing to go wherever it needs to, to, to keep to. So maybe, maybe Ed is your Kawhi. I know it's, it's not, it's not bang on. Um, but Stephen Page will probably be, oh, who's maybe a Pascal Siakam. I mean, it's tough. This is tough. This is the, the music basketball thing. It doesn't really jive in my brain. Immediately in my head, I was thinking of, um, Kyle Lowry as Ed, the mainstay and Mm -hmm. Stephen Page having that otherworldly talent. 
but yeah. kind of a mercurial figure. I was thinking maybe he would be Kawhi, but it's obviously it's not straight across the board. No, that's it's, good. Uh, that's it's good. A tough it's, one. I was thinking a little too much in in the basketball sense. You were thinking more in the the, the their personalities. That 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 makes sense. I'm with you. I'm with you there. Well, I suppose. I guess we have to see a couple videos of Stephen Page shooting jumpers if we want to get into it like that. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, the Bare Naked Ladies with Stephen Page was actually the first concert I ever attended, and it was my dad who took me. So there's a bit of synergy that way for you and I. Beautiful. Stop. What year was that? Oh, man. It was like 2006, maybe, 2004, something around there. He's back touring, man. Stephen Page is back touring uh, on his own. Um, obviously, the Bare Naked Ladies have been touring. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you can uh, rekindle that relationship again. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, you doing all your work with the starters, the basketball Jones, everything in your past. All the years of doing playoff coverage with the aforementioned crew, you finally get to watch the Raptors win a title. You being a Canadian, being a fan of the Raptors, what was that like? Uh, well, it's definitely surreal. You know, it's it's hard not to start with that word <laughs> uh, because of all of the uh, the past playoff failures. Um, the one conference finals appearance in 2016, which didn't even really feel like that. I mean, that that was successful, but uh, it just it just felt so. You know, so many of those years, it felt uh, also like I was sort of watching from afar because we left Toronto and they, and they immediately got good. And, uh, you know, I was a season seat holder with friends for 12 years and, uh, didn't see one playoff series victory. I mean, we, we, we did get a, a bit of the, the first Vince years, but listen, it was just a lot of bad. And, and then seeing, seeing this all come together and just totally going against, everything you sort of knew about the Toronto Raptors, which is playoff failures, um, just not a lot of steadiness when it comes to fourth quarter opportunities. Uh, and uh, yeah, just ready to be disappointed over and over and over again. And then this, this happening um, and especially sort of being as being a media member now, you know, my fandom has definitely waned. It's definitely changed, you know, since I, since I was in those seats, up in the, the nosebleeds for a long time. Uh, I, you know, I've come to sort of appreciate from this perspective, the organization, uh, management, and what they've been able to put together after, you know, those those really, really lean years, those tough years, the the, the possibility of it even leaving Toronto was was actually on the table, uh, you know, to some degree, at least in, uh, in conjecture. And... Uh, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's it's astonishing the way it turned around. I mean, the, a big moment for me was going back in 2016 for All Star Weekend. I was living in Atlanta, but but having the opportunity to be in Toronto and sitting in the Air Canada Center um, and just sort of soaking it all in uh, that the basketball world was uh, was coming to Toronto to to celebrate what the organization had become. And, and it felt like I mentioned the conference finals in 2016, it felt like everything was going well for that team then. Uh, and, and that it would probably peak at a conference finals. <laughs> it felt like that would be the extent that the Raptors would ever taste after, uh, you know, being in that building for so many losses. Uh, but obviously, um, 
Masai Ujiri had far bigger plans for that team, and uh, and it, it, you know when they when they beat the Milwaukee Bucks, to me that was like winning a championship. That felt like uh, all right. I mean, this is it. This is as good as it gets, and that was uh, that was a phenomenal run. <laughs> and, and even though I picked the Raps in the finals, um, man, I, I really I I didn't really truly truly believe it was going to happen. Uh, until they took game three and then it was, uh, and I was pretty happy with myself for not really believing them because I continued to, to, to not believe in them. And they continued to, to make me, uh, a liar, make me out to be a, a huge, huge liar. So, I mean, it was just, uh, it was just beautiful, man. It was just beautiful. Yeah. Well, I guess there's like a very concise way to put it where you just say like, it's the best thing that has happened in Raptors history, you brought up the management and you having season tickets and going to a lot of games back then and then moving to Atlanta to do the starters, then them getting good as a fan and then a media member, you brought up the management. What is the biggest contrast between the old and the new, in your opinion? Um, well, yeah, ownership and management, uh, I, I think it, it starts from there. The 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 confidence of the new ownership coming out and and I think Masai Ujiri going out in front of all those season seat holders in 2014 in April before they played Brooklyn in round one and saying "f Brooklyn" uh, is is exactly what um, the the organization embodied. Not so much like they didn't give an F, but that they were confident in themselves and in the team to build things. And it starts from, you know, uh, from Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, uh, you know, having that sort of that financial steadiness to Tim Laiwiki to Masai uh, and and that trickle effect on down. I, I think that is the biggest uh, difference. And, and you were watching here in real time here as the free agency uh, news comes down and, and the Knicks is, is the obviously the juxtaposition of what the Raptors are uh, at this point. You see no one wanting to go there uh, of the big names um, because there's a lot of mismanagement happening. And, and I think that's what happened with the, the Toronto Raptors organization. They just didn't know what was happening. Didn't, didn't really have a good grasp on the way um, to be a top-down structured organization from – 95 on for for a good chunk of time and then so slowly that that solidified and uh and here we are now we're we talk about toronto being a real destination for free agents and um and people can come up with that tax story or the customs line and all that crap that really doesn't play into it uh and that that's that's where it stems from i think i think that's the biggest difference my favorite thing was the the TV channels. Like that wasn't an absolute thing in the past. That was that was kind yeah. of hilarious to me. I, I guess, guess I guess though I guess though like one thing with the TV channels. I think what they're saying. I mean, yes, I understand. It is a quote unquote foreign country for guys, and they can't flip on ESPN. Okay, I, I guess. Um, but I, I I don't I I guess I'm just reading into this. But I guess what they're saying is that. The lineup for a sports show, if they do flip on TSN, does consist of first segment, your lead hockey story. Second segment might be baseball. And, and then the third segment is, is basketball. 
you know, to, to some degree that I think that's what they're saying. You know, Canadian football, the CFL squeezes in there, curling squeezes in there. So maybe that's what they mean. Is that possible that it's that it's just weird to them when they flip on a sports channel? I'm not sure. I like I always thought it was that they would have to organize a way to get ESPN because you yeah. can watch ESPN and like you have these guys like Joel Embiid who they travel around with an Xbox a package that was gifted to them from Xbox where they can, you know, take it everywhere, where they can do something everywhere. I had a hard time believing that players wouldn't just have somebody say, listen, I've got all the channels for you. I figured it out. Just go watch ESPN <laughs> when you like it. Right. Or maybe, you know, they don't, the Raptors don't get as much talk on ESPN, I guess. And maybe Lou Williams wanted more shine for the two out of 17 end of quarter shots he hit during the year. I'm not really <laughs> sure. Well, that's part of it. Yeah. Lou Williams aside, it's totally true. We've had uh, the, the blessing, the, the fact that like Kyle Lowry, um, I'm, I'm naming names here, but I'm okay with it. Even Dwayne Casey come down to our studio in Atlanta and say, listen, you guys represent Toronto. You represent Canada. We appreciate you for that. And, and I think you're spot on with the fact that guys don't, get that type of shine on ESPN and you know, we're a, an American or were an American na- national media uh, outlet where they got a lot of shine. So yeah, I think you're bang on with that. What, what was that like? You, you brought up, you know, naming names and Dwayne Casey, Kyle Lowry, thanking you for filling that gap. How did you feel about moving into the NBA TV spotlight, becoming the starters and then beginning to fill that void of, we don't like they didn't talk about Canadian the Canadian team the Raptors and now you guys are are providing a lot of takes on the Raptors and giving them a lot of attention. What was that like to fulfill that void in the American market? Well, first, I'd say that we didn't know what the heck we were doing in 2013 when we came down here. <laughs> you know, uh, we we were just trying to put on a TV show. We didn't have any sort of uh, preconceived idea that oh we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Raptors. So, I mean, we were just trying to do at first a 60 minute daily television show and then it became a 30 minute show with podcasts on the side. It was, um, it was a learning experience for us, you know, first and foremost, second thing, you know, we're, we want to believe that we're fairly impartial and that we talk about the biggest storylines. I mean, we, we don't want to be, we didn't want to be ever think of ourselves as a Raptors show. I mean, we started in 2006 with a segment in our, once a week or weekly podcast that was called rap stock rap stock rap stock and we got away from that after a few months of doing it because we wanted to be a national show we wanted to have uh, every single team mentioned fairly often in our show Um, and so this happened pretty organically uh, that the Raptors just when they got good we talked about them in the conference finals we talked about them when LeBron owned uh, Lebronto for those years. We talked about it in that light. And I, th- I think we're somewhat fair. And yeah, it was hard not to get a little bit um, partial in these last couple months, for sure. Uh, seeing uh, how, you know, those great Toronto fans were uh, repaid for all of the, the bad years. But um, I mean, it felt cool for, 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 uh, you know, Lowry and, and Dwayne Casey to, to come down and mention that uh, be, just simply because they aren't covered down in, in the U.S. as they are, as they should be, I should say. Um, 
they're not given the same light. You know, you often see commentators from other national networks when they have Raptors games on their networks put together these these takes which just aren't accurate whatsoever about the team because they don't watch them. And, and, and that's because they're, you know, for, for the last few years until, until the last couple, last couple years where they got great, they weren't on, on national television. So, um, yes, listen, there's a, uh, the, the Raptors have forced themselves into the conversation. And, uh, even though, you know, we spoke glowingly of the city and we were obviously new, what type of world-class city Toronto was. I don't think we forced them into the conversation um, until, you know, the Raptors really did force themselves uh, into every single basketball fans conversation, which is still bonkers to say. You started this talk with the, uh, the NBA championship talk and man, I, I don't know if I'm going to believe it until I see that banner hanging beside the division banners that are up there right now. Yeah. Well, and that's mostly what I meant. Not that you guys fawn over the Raptors, but that, they usually were skipped over, even though they might have deserved a conversation or two. Yeah. And then having that conversation maybe be a bit off the off the rails if it were discussing them. Yeah. Uh, the next thing, or sorry, go go ahead. No, no. I, it, and listen, I, I think uh, you know, as you, like Lou Williams was very, you know, that that idea that uh, you know his buzzer beaters uh, <laughs> weren't covered all that well. Kyle Lowry and Dwayne Casey were very well aware. Uh, that they weren't covered. And that's always interesting for me because I, you know, we all sort of, you know, watch all these guys and, and for me, I'm not sure how much they consume, but in, in the end, I would generalize to say they consume a lot. They consume a lot of sports talk and it's on in every arena, you know, NBA TV is on in every arena generally and, and ESPN and, and the such. And um, I find that interesting that they know, they're, they're very in tune with what's going on in sports talk. The next thing I want to ask you is you've, your proximity to the players has often, or I guess obviously, increased over the past years. And I went to my first practice this year and games this year and meeting with the players. There's a humanizing aspect that obviously comes with it. What do you find about the way you perceive the league has changed since getting that proximity to the players? Are you more you know, apathetic, empathetic, like what happened with that? Well, a couple of things. I don't really love being tight and close with the players because I think it changes the way I talk about the league and talk about them because I am a bit of a, an empathetic person and they are human and you just start to like them. I mean, it's as simple as that. And it, I think it's hard to be as, um, as straightforward and objective as he should be for me anyways, um, once you start to get to know them. And then I think the second thing is even though they put on their, um, you know, their post game media voice or, or media lines, I don't know if you find this, but I, I find that they're just, they're really smart guys that generally, um, you know, have to play the media the way they have to play the media. Uh, and they have to have their guard up. And I think we would all do the same thing. And uh, I, I, I don't envy them for that. You know, obviously can't feel sorry for a person making millions and millions of dollars. But uh, I think it's tough. I mean, talking to the media every day and having the same questions asked of them every single day. I mean, Jay Skeets generally asks me the same questions every day on the show. And it's, I don't like it. I don't like it one <laughs> bit. Uh, but I, I, I do love... All-Star Weekend, when we generally talk to 
you know, made our sort of made our mark with, a, a, you know, kind of off the wall videos and, and just random questions for the guys. And when they win the championship, those two moments, those two, those two days, they can really let their guards down and be themselves and be their, their, their true personas. And, uh, and those days, I, I, you know, those are, those are the best days of the year as far as covering the league, I'd say. I've never been in an arena or I'm sorry, in a locker room where, where they won. I've generally been in, when any team has won, I've generally been in the studio. Um, but those moments, not, not that they're just on a high, but the fact that, you know, the season is over and they simply, you know, DGAF, they're just, they're just done and, and they're, they can just be themselves. And, and I think even, uh, I even felt sorry for, for the Raptors after winning the championship in Oakland, they had to do so much media but they didn't care, and and they were just you know beaming from year to year, obviously because they won. But they're also just they're being themselves, and I, and I just uh, I was just soaking that all in it, just to see Lowry be Lowry, who is a pretty open individual throughout the regular season as well. I don't think he puts on too much of a face, and and, and then all those guys just uh, just be themselves. So I, I I think those are sort of the the couple things that um, they're great dudes. And I don't like being around them all that much as far as being like a basketball analyst in my role uh, currently. Cause you know, we, we, on our show every single day, we, we, you know, we try and evaluate the league and evaluate trades and evaluate transactions and games and, and all that and, and, and performances. And it's hard to say, Hey, Lowry stunk when you like the guy. And, and the fact is I do like Kyle Lowry and, and you know, the more, the more you hang out with them, the more, I've, you know, I've, only, I've never really hung out with them, but the more you uh, talk to them um, and you know, I throw it back to you. I don't know. How do you feel like being, if you were, if you were to hang out at practice every single day, I, I don't envy that position. I, I would find it hard to be uh, a Blake Murphy or a, a William Lou or a Doug Smith. I mean, I think it's just, I think it's tough. Yeah, I think it's it's really tough as well. I haven't had as much experience as you or Blake or William Liu or Doug Smith. Hopefully I get more and more as the as the years go on. But yeah, I, I'm sure well I've had this conversation with Blake a lot of times where about, you know, remaining impartial and trying to remain objective. You know, sometimes it's it gets tough and it's tough to take your emotions out of it. I'm glad you brought up Kyle Lowry though, because you started out mentioning that most of the NBA players are smart, clever guys when they're speaking to the media. And Kyle Lowry is probably example A of that. I think generally the consensus is that he feels like the smartest guy in the room when he's talking. And you can see he's kind of got that edge to him. The Maybe a granular question. And if, if you don't have anything come to mind, that's fine. In your time asking players questions on the show, outside of it, Sometimes when you ask a player a question, you can unfurl this question you think will get asked, that you'll ask and you'll have this terrific response and they can just kind of shortchange you. Has there been a question that you've asked a player where they've truly revealed something that you've been really happy about, where they answered like every part of it and you felt like you really learned something? Mm. There was a moment, not, not so much revealing anything all that profound, but... Seeing Kevin Garnett laugh was uh, something. <laughs> I thought that was uh, pretty unique. We were doing this uh, um, very random question at All-Star Weekend about Lamar Odom and Khloe Kardashian at the time were releasing a 
cologne perfume, a scent, whatever the heck you call it. We had a photo of them. Uh, they were calling it unbreakable. Uh, and we asked Kevin Garnett what his scent would be called. And he let the guard down and just had a good giggle. He just, <laughs> he, he, he just laughed and seeing yeah, Kevin Garnett and this was being broadcast. It was a, it was, um, you know, media day at all-star weekend and it was broadcast on NBA TV live. Uh, and I, and I saw a, a tweet come up actually from Matt Moore, um, saying, Whoa, Kevin Garnett just laughed on television. Uh, you know, that was, again, that was, I think it's part, part and parcel of all-star weekend guys can let down their guard a little bit. And, and I think the photo helped, uh, really, uh, um, you know, just not not shake KG, but allow him to to put down the uh, the shield that he always has up, and that he he again probably should always have up in, in media days uh, or talking to the media. Uh, yeah, I think I think that was that that you know you know how hard it is. I mean, I don't, I don't know how how many times it's happened, but I I I, I would find it. If you ask questions of, of guys who really do it a lot, I mean, I, again, I, I only do it, you know, a couple times a year. Um, I bet it's very few and far between where that happens. I, I, I think NBA players are like, if we were to take press conferences from 95, the NBA finals to, you know, 2015, the NBA finals or 2019, the NBA finals, I think guys are becoming a little bit more open. Uh, and willing to answer questions, um, even though they're very, very media savvy these days. Uh, so maybe it happens more often, but that's all I got. I, I haven't had anybody uh, hit me with uh, <laughs> a top to bottom profound answer. I think, well, that's a, I think that's a good answer anyway. Getting a laugh out of Kevin Garnett, that could, uh, that could go on a resume. You know? <laughs> Did he say what the scent would be? And if not, do you know nah. what his scent would be? <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't uh, willing to provide much of an answer. He just, he, he, we got him. I mean, I got him and he had, he had no answer for me. But if he did, uh, I don't know if it would have like, if it would have a dog themed, like if we could have him on all fours, you know, slapping the floor like Jose Calderon was in front of him, you know, how he played defense like that. If it would maybe, <laughs> I mean, I, I know a, a dog smell isn't appetizing or uh, <laughs> isn't something you would think of, but I don't know. The, I think it could fly with Kevin Garnett. I think you could sell a bottle with KG on all fours, the dog, D-A-W-G. I don't know. I don't know. There's something there. It could be like dog at the beach, and then it could be a crossover between Kramer and then <laughs> Kevin Garnett. <laughs> sure. <laughs> However you want to swing it. Um, you talked about Toronto being a great city and then being moved all the way to Atlanta. What's the thing you miss most about Toronto when you moved to Atlanta for the starters? And the thing that improved the most, so the special little part of Atlanta that you got to enjoy that you wouldn't be able to in Toronto? Uh, well, I miss... Um... Well, first family and friends, of course, but I miss the multiculturalism of Toronto, to be honest. Um, all the colors of the rainbow on the subway every single day. Uh, it's not the same um, in Atlanta, although what's special about down here um, being in Atlanta is um, being in a monstrous city. It's, it's a huge, huge city, uh, but still it's sort of feeling like a suburb, like you kind of have the best of both worlds. It, it's... Uh, you're not like priced out of the city down here in Atlanta. It's uh, it's far uh, more reasonable, um, and so you kind of 
it's 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 an easier lifestyle than uh, than Toronto is. So um, you know, not to get uh, too deep, but I think I think those I think uh, top line are are kind of what uh, I miss and love and. And uh, I don't know about the snow, man. I'm just, uh, I just don't know if I can go back. It's, uh, it'd be tough to, uh, I, I know this seems like a real, real un-Canadian thing to say, but uh, <laughs> once, once you leave the snow, geez, it's tough. Like, I, I, I go back and, uh, you know, I'm all bundled up and my, my friends are like, you have gone soft. You can't handle a little bit of, uh, a little bit of below zero weather and uh it's it's the god honest truth i can't i'm done can't handle it anymore i well i can definitely connect with that i mean it was last year that in between writing trying to anyway i was doing snow clearing in saskatchewan which is like sometimes have been minus 40 minus 50 which sucked and this year i actually i lived in puerto vallarta in mexico so I definitely I understand what you mean about like the snow. I don't miss it at all. And when I went back to Toronto to cover the league and do things like that, go to practices, games, it was. It was like, why is it so damn cold? And I felt like I was getting sick upon yeah. arrival. It was although although I was I was in uh, in in January. I was I was in Toronto for a real quick weekend, and I was awake at like three a.m. up in cottage country, and I went out. And it's dead silent in cottage country, and it was uh, snow covered everywhere. And it was it was a beautiful sight. It was really serene, but that's not me waking up at seven a.m. to clear snow and uh, you know get things get things moving for the day. It's so different. I was on vacation, you know, for a couple of days, so it's uh, it was different. It was nice. It was nice to visit. Uh, it's like having uh, you know like babysitting a kid for a day. It's cool for a day, but you get to give them back, you know, then you don't have to have it every single day. Yeah. Well, it has its moments, especially if it's just a snapshot of this beautiful white snow country. It's, it can be really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Zion Williamson was most recently drafted and there was a picture of him that went sort of viral. It was like, who's taking a charge from him? Is Kyle Lowry taking a charge from Zion Williamson next year? And how great <laughs> will that be when it happens? <laughs> I don't think there's a doubt. I, I think Kyle Lowry has somehow learned how to take a charge from a big man without getting punished. I don't know what, where he absorbs it. I guess the natural thing to say, the first thing to say is he absorbs it in his butt, but uh, there's, there's somehow some way he's learned and yeah, he'll take a charge from anybody. It's Kyle Lowry. We're talking about, uh, maybe he's got to stop that at some point. I mean, he is, but well, he's, 33 now maybe it's time to slow that down but uh yeah I, I i don't he won't even he won't even miss a beat right he's 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 lowry well i wonder you know we have this idea of what superheroes are but if super powers were real i think that they would manifest differently probably it wouldn't be like flying or super strength it would be these really weird minute things and maybe that means that kyle lowry is a uh, a candidate for one of those really weird superpowers like he can liquefy his body very quickly so that he becomes like gelatin when people hit him and then <laughs> upon landing becomes hard again and then he's like oh i'm fine everything's fine and that's like one of those low-key superpowers and that's how that shakes out maybe that's the <laughs> secret to it um maybe man because he would just he just kept getting up through the playoffs and then he put together a 12 point first quarter 
and he just did not fall off, which was, uh, which was special. You know, it was, it was that, that, that's one thing, I guess that I know every single Raptors fan is celebrating, but throughout the league, uh, you know, I don't know if enough people really noticed that Kyle Lowry was really, really incredible offensively. And, and I, I, I talk about that because, you know, he had the reputation of, uh, of not really being able to score in the postseason. And even though that you know, wasn't the case last year, even in the 2018 playoffs, he was great. Uh, but now it's gone. And um, now on his resume forever will be NBA champion and superpower liquefying his body to take a charge liquefying yeah, exactly. liquefying slash rehardening i don't know how you would uh, surmise that really quickly yeah i don't know what the the really concise succinct way to phrase it is but you know we'll get there someday it's <laughs> i'm so glad you brought that up because kyle lowry and demar Derozan is my favorite player ever but i think a lot of people don't realize that from 2014 to 2017 18 Kyle Lowry was probably, and especially in 2015-16, honestly just a top 10 player in the league, and he was driving the Raptors to wherever they needed to go. And the fact that fans and pundits alike will never fully come around on just how good he was, the fact that he's now a champion, and he put his you know seal of approval in that great game in Game 6 to close things out is, is really special. Yeah, 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 because... NBA pundits, hey, and I'm one of them. Uh, it's it's hard to cover the league and, and all the teams and be, you know, totally level-headed and fair in, in in how you evaluate. There's a lot of teams. There's 1,230 games a year. Uh, you know, you got to be a machine like a Zach Lowe to really watch all the games and, and to fully evaluate them. And yeah, I was uh, as far as the Raptors go. I think I, I had a you know pretty clear sense. And, and was clear that, like you said, he was the best player on the Raptors. He did it. He did all those things. You know, maybe it started to change a little bit, um, you know, at the end with DeMar. But, you know, Kyle always did the most things. And but and no one would give him uh, that credit until he had a moment or a real, real deep playoff moment and moments like he did uh, this year. You're totally right. And now now the conversation turns to Hall of Fame uh, somewhat. But. Yeah, there is no way the national media members would ever give Kyle Lowry the the, the actual light or uh, limelight he deserved, unless he had those moments in the playoffs. Yeah, and for Hall of Fame, if you're asking me, I say yes, of course, and yeah, love Kyle Lowry. So I'm glad you brought that up. One last partial. thing: Are you being impartial? Or are you being partial when you say yes, of course, though? I'm well. Yes, of course, is partial. <laughs> maybe maybe is impartial. I think he has the same the same go at it as Chauncey Billups did, which is kind of serendipitous since that's his apparent um, mentor is Chauncey yeah. Billups. Yeah. But I think he has the same claim to it that Chauncey Billups has. And we'll see. I'm not sure if the NBA, because obviously the advanced stats bear out that Kyle Lowry is more than incredible. And the box score stats sometimes aren't that friendly to him. The zero-point game against Orlando, let's say. And then the plus 11, which isn't even an advanced stat. But then finding in the middle where he actually lies, because he isn't just this accumulation of stats. And then you say, 
wow, Kyle Lowry's the fourth most impactful and important player in the league in 2015-16. It doesn't work like that, but I guess it depends on how far the conversation swings as far as analytics, because if it keeps going, then people will look back on Kyle Lowry very favorably. They'll look at the PER, they'll look at the estimated wins added, if that becomes part of it, right? And then they'll say, oh, this guy, look at what he did. I mean, he was sixth over the same span that LeBron went to the finals eight times. They'll probably, sh- and he won a title. And I mean, there's a case to be made for the Hall of Fame there. But if they're looking at the seasons like uh, 16 points, eight assists, then probably not. Depends on where the conversation goes. But for me, impartially, yeah, impartially, I think I would say maybe. Right. Depends on the voters. But I am, I'm definitely an appreciator of Kyle Lowry. The last thing I want to talk to you about, and 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 just just last last thing I'll add to that, because because I'm excited about Kyle Lowry's Hall of Fame chances. Uh, To swing the box score type voters, he could just get a few more. A few more years would help. You know, if he got to play until he's 37, 38, uh, hopefully, you know, that, that would mean four or five more years. That would help out the, the raw numbers because, you know, the point total is, is fairly low. Um, if, he got, if he got to there, if he got to a 37, 38, I think you would swing everybody in the direction of partiality of, yeah, he's in. Yeah. Well, if he can if he can close out his career like Andre Miller, where he still has this kind of effervescent addition to a team that helps everybody until he's 38, 37, then I think he'll be good. But it really depends. Small guys, it's a, it's a tough go. The last thing I want to ask you is, obviously, we're experiencing it now right before we recorded. Hassan Whiteside was traded to the Blazers. The NBA has been an absolute frenzy over the past day. It's incredibly crazy what's your favorite thing out of all the madness that's happened today and yesterday uh i i'm so curious well first uh, i think top line it just feels like it's anybody's league next year which is great it doesn't feel like the nba has had parity forever and uh i think you know whether the raptors bring back Kawhi or, or the you know the bucks have the best record it just feels like there's so many other teams that can win it that's the first thing and then the second thing the fact that the warriors could be totally different and have d'angelo russell and steph curry and clay thompson as their one two three is fascinating to me um the fact that they would probably give up a a good number of points if you know if they went to the floor if they started the season with that lineup and Draymond Green and whoever knows if Kevon Looney comes back. Uh, that's just a fascinating experiment uh, to, to, to watch. And to, I just, I like the fact that they're trying to optimize Steph Curry's prime years, no matter what. They're, they're trying to make the most of his years. Um, and I just, you know, something no one saw coming, D'Angelo Russell going to their team. And if he stays there, if it's not just a, a trade chip, um, Andrew Wiggins, perhaps, which would also be crazy, and I would also love that. Uh, I, I'm just fascinated to see how that all plays out. But I mean, there's so many teams we could talk about. Um, and it's yeah, as you said, it's it's ridiculously fascinating. I can't believe that the league for the first time has started free agency at six o'clock Eastern. That it seems like a no-brainer. I mean, I was just literally just looking at Twitter and was able to go to sleep at a reasonable hour this year, which was cool. Uh, compared to every single other year. So uh, 
man, uh, it just feels like it's wide open too. Uh, that's uh, for an NBA fan and for an, a person who covers the league. It's a great thing because, you know, we've always heard, you know, in recent history, every, every single sports fan outside the NBA say, Oh, who cares? What, who cares about the regular season? Who cares? It's, it's the Warriors, it's the Warriors league. And, and it, just, it just feels good to have, to be a little bit more NFL like or hockey like, and, uh, have some parity. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. I think you brought up the perfect point. And it's interesting that Kawhi's decision kind of is where the league is at. Because if he goes to the Lakers, then you think, okay, we're back to this super team thing. But if he signs with either the Clippers or the Raptors, neither of those qualifies as a super team, just really well-constructed rosters. And then you see that maybe Utah with Bojan Bogdanovic, Conley, Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Ingles, everybody there. You say, well, maybe these guys can make it out of the West. And you think, yeah. well, maybe D'Angelo Russell or... Steph Curry and that collection, they can make it to the West. And then LeBron and AD, it looks like, depending on Kawhi's decision, the league goes from trying to get back into super teams to maybe just really well-constructed rosters. And that's that's really interesting to me. And obviously, I hope Kawhi resigns. I have to let you go now, though. You're a busy guy. And uh, before you go, um, I recommend you tell the people where to find you, anything else that you think is impertinent news. Uh, well, no free agency decision uh, on this end for the starters, so no real pertinent news uh, <laughs> on that front. Uh, you can find me, Tass Mellis, uh, on Twitter or, you know, on all your social media platforms. Otherwise, um, I'm just here refreshing Twitter, just just watching the tweets roll in. Looking forward to uh, to the next piece of news so I can make a quippy tweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the quips. Eclipse yeah. is all, all anything's about. Taz, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, man. It has been sincerely very enjoyable to have this conversation with you. I appreciate it, Samson. Best of luck in the future, my man. Thanks, man. All right, and to all the listeners, if you're listening to this, I hope you have a blessed day, and I'll be back next week with more conversations. Bye. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.